Well, you know, I have to admit that I appreciate your directness, Daryl, and I will try and be as direct and honest with you as I possibly can. Uh, I think, no, I am positive that you are the most unattractive man I have ever met in my entire life. You know, in the short time that we've been together, you have demonstrated every loathsome characteristic of the male personality and even discovered a few new ones. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, you're morally rehensible, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid, you have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. You're, you're not even interest, interesting enough to make me sick. Um, would you like to be on the top or the bottom? <laughs> so that quote is from the infamous Cher, who starred in The Witches of Eastwick, uh, a brilliant witch film that I absolutely love from my past. And I actually made you, Sean, watch it. You did. I only saw what, like? Four months ago, I think it was my it was, first time ever. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. It's so good. Um, they tried to do a TV show twice and failed. But uh, yeah, that was Witches of Eastwick. And this is Brunch with the Hollowells. We are back for episode four, Dead Man Dating. Dead Man's Toes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> have to work that movie in every time. So It's like my goal to get you off track. So I know all I have to do is mention something from it, and there we go. Stop. I'm not. I'm, I'm learning. I'm getting immune. You keep doing it, and then it gets easier. But, um... Today's episode is brought to you by Angry Orchard Hard Cider. We uh, decided to drink um, the bottled uh, cider of uh, Angry Orchard. It's the rosé flavor. I gotta say I love these. They are very good. Yeah. I drink mine really fast. And yeah, they're very accessible, easy to buy, and yeah. So um, that was good while I had my bacon and eggs today this morning while we watched our episode. So, uh, let's see. Before we get started on the recap, um, I have some witchy news that I want to bring to you, Charmies. Uh, I discovered a trailer uh, called The Witch Files. And basically, it's a movie that is like the movie Chronicle about a group of boys who discover... A was it a meteor or a ship? I think it was a meteor. I think it was a meteor. A meteor, and once they touched it, they got powers. But the movie was structured as a found footage film, as they recorded all of their activities and all the powers that they had. And so this one is sort of the same. Uh, the trailer did not give away how they got their powers, but we immediately see the group of girls testing out um, some spells while the camera is rolling. And basically you find out that the movie is done in sort of the found footage format. So this movie is uh, going to be direct to DVD. It comes out October 9th and uh, it's directed by Cal Rankin. And uh, who directed Night of the Living Deb? Wasn't a bad movie. I saw that one. And it sort of reminds you of Mean Girls with craft, a little bit of charm, but again, mostly chronicle because of the found footage. And it stars uh, Pedro Brewster, 
as well as Holly Taylor and Greg Finley. Uh, let's see. While spending a dull detention together, an unlikely gathering of teenage girls discover discovers one of their group may possess supernatural powers. Intrigued, they follow her into the local woods where they harness the ambient energy of witches who were persecuted there hundreds of years ago. Realizing that they now have the ability to make every desire a reality, the girls form a coven and soon have the entire school under their control. With their newfound powers, of course, comes a deadly cost. And before long, they find um, themselves under attack from one of their own. Who is it? Um, about to give up... Th- Wait, this yeah. Who isn't about to give up the good life without a fight? So, Sean, what do you think of the trailer to The Witch Files? I thought it looked really good. I'm always a fanboy for found footage movies that are done well. So, I thought this looks interesting. And I'm going to... Obviously, the gay boy in me is going to be excited to see the witch aspect to the found footage. Okay, so you said done well. So, what's a found footage done well? So, I'm a big fan of all the paranormal activity movies. Which, I guess, the fifth one's not a good example, but the rest of them are pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then also the movie um, Grave Encounters, which I found on Netflix a few years ago. Just, they have good, believable acting combined with what I think is realistic found footage. Oh, and Cloverfield. Okay, so here's the thing about that. With found footage, I actually put Cloverfield as the example of what I don't want to see. Where I would put Chronicle and maybe some of the Paranormal Activity movies as such. And the difference is, is the shaky camera. Mm-hmm. I'm over that. And I also need you to have a good reason to have a camera in your hand while you're under attack or going through whatever it is that you're going through. Cloverfield had no reason to keep that camera in that man's hand the whole time. And again, some of the shakiness and like barely seeing the monster, I didn't really care for it. Yes, it might give off a more realistic view of how a camera would maneuver from running around, but again, you still have to give me a reason why you're holding it. With Chronicle, they found ways to incorporate why the camera was in their hands, and they actually used their power to sort of balance it and and tape them as if any camera was just there. Very steady, you can see everything, and the camera would wooze around based on where they use their powers to put it. That's kind of how I see it. So, but this movie does look pretty cool. I mean, they are giving us visual effects and not just assuming that whatever spell they're doing is working. So, I think it looks pretty cool. And straight for a DVD movie, I think this is good as far as like effects and stuff it's what i expect Mm -hmm. so um i'm excited uh i would have loved it to be like grown women instead of teenage girls but you know high school thing who are you gonna appeal to really yeah so it makes sense all right so let's get started with our recap of dead man Mm -hmm. dating (laughs) uh so this episode uh Originally aired on October 28th. Oh, so this was, I guess, their Halloween episode. And um, it is directed by Richard Compton. Writers include the creator, once again, Constance M. Burge, with Javier Grillo Marnock. Mar- Marock, I think that's his name. I hope I pronounced that right. 
All right. So the episode opens with Prue um, approaching the door with um, Andy, who came over unannounced once again, who just happened to not be in the neighborhood, as he puts it, and decided to drop by and give her an early birthday gift. Uh, Apparently, Prue's birthday is next week from where we start the episode. And um, in this box is a key to, I guess, a hotel room to a spa getaway with just him and her for the weekend. And he thought it would be nice to have them go away and just spend time with each other. But he got them two separate rooms because he felt it was inappropriate to assume that even though they have slept together, that they would be sleeping in the same room the entire weekend. Now, I have to say, okay... Andy's getting to be a little creeperish at this point. <laughs> like, you're cute, Andy, but why do you keep showing up at her house unannounced? I don't know why she's okay with it. Like, when I'm at home, I have these, like, short shorts. That's, like, all I'm wearing. <laughs> I don't need nobody coming to my house. I don't care if I'm wanting to sleep with them or sleeping with them. I'm probably not in the best shape for company. <laughs> I may even be sweaty and nasty. I don't know if that's a 90s thing or maybe it's a it's for those neighborhoods who own houses. Maybe that's what you do. You just kind of show up whenever. Mm-hmm. I have an apartment and I don't even have my next door neighbors come over without a text message. Like you better announce yourself before you come over. How often do you have your next door neighbors come over? I'm just saying <laughs> that the mode that I'm in living in an apartment surrounded by so many people it's unlikely that I would be okay with someone showing up at my place. So Andy is a very sweet guy. Yes, he is starting to get a little creepy, but I mean, this man is pulling out all the stops for the woman that he really likes. I mean, you would rarely see a guy go out of his way to do all of these gestures just to get on her good side, even though she is really playing hard to get. So I really commend him for you know, stepping up his, you know, romance game. Fine. (laughs) So then we cut to Mark, who is celebrating his 23rd birthday, and he's off to start his day while talking to his mom um, in front of their front porch. Uh, They discuss um, the importance of birthdays and also discuss a little bit of a legend with an amulet that is hanging next to her front door of their mom's house and she basically says that it's an amulet that keeps away spirits and he doesn't believe all of that nor does he really sort of integrate himself into the culture but um he's off to go ahead and start his day and uh he is walking down a secluded alley that's completely empty but during the day and he's approached by um, a gang of people who is um, led by this man who asks if it's his birthday. He answers yes. And um, right after that, uh, Mark is then shot and dies. He, his spirit or his you know, apparition jumps out of his body and he gets up and he notices that his physical body is still on the ground so he is completely shocked but it is clear that he has died and that his spirit has left his body uh the gang then one of them takes his ring puts it on mark's body and then sets the body on fire Mm -hmm. 
Uh, yeah, this was pretty fucked up. <laughs> so, okay, I'm surprised at you, though. You haven't noted, you haven't said who he's played by yet. Oh, well, I was going to right after I, like, said it. Okay. So, Mark <laughs> is played by none other than John Cho. Yay! Who is uh, currently in one of the um, best movies out uh, this month called Searching. I suggest going to see that. It is so good. And, um, yeah, this was a special guest that I was uh, talking about in the previous episode that I didn't want to tell Sean about. I wanted him to see him right when the episode started. So, Sean, what would you think? I was excited to see him. At first, I know I was like, is that, is it? And you're like, yes, yes, it is. You're a very sage instructor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to see John Cho. Um, and I really, really like this episode, too. So, um, yeah. He is played, he's playing a 23-year-old, but when this episode was recorded, he was 26. Wow. Yeah. Um, so how did he look? He looked young. I know. <laughs> I know. That hair was flowing, but yeah, he was he was small. And you called it Johnny Bravo hair. Yeah, Johnny Bravo hair. <laughs> uh, okay, so in the next scene... Piper and Phoebe try to plan a surprise party for Prue, but Prue does not like surprise parties. And she also brings up the fact that Andy um, invited her to go to a spa weekend on the same weekend that the surprise party was going to happen. So Piper and Phoebe try to convince Prue not to go by suggesting that it's too early to be going away with someone that um, you're just starting to get to know again and start dating. Basically, their thesis is is that going away for the weekend with a guy that you're dating basically says, oh, here's a toothbrush at your home. Let's go and meet the parents. It's super serious and committal. And they're just like, it's too early and you shouldn't give that um, impression if you are not there. So what do you think about that? Um, I don't know. I think they were blowing it a little out of proportion like you're just going away for the well, weekend technically they were doing it to keep her there they probably don't believe that but again they re they did sound sincere in their reasoning mm -hmm. for that because even piper was like wow like damn phoebe <laughs> like i didn't mean to go that descriptive but yeah so you don't get bothered by stuff like that but they're gonna do all that to scare her just to keep her at home for a party like now i don't like them even more rob <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, so here's the thing. I don't know if it has anything to do with being heterosexual versus homosexual, but I grew up not really having those type of fears. I've dated a guy who left his toothbrush at my place after like the first month because he was always over at my house. And it just made sense because he would sometimes go straight to work. I'm sorry, I'll take the toothbrush home this time. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I never got this hint like he was trying to put tabs on me or suggest things that weren't there. It was just it just made sense. And to me, it was more of a sign that I'm gonna see him more, as opposed to oh, he's in love with me and I'm not gonna get rid of him. And I didn't get a fear of that. But then again, I ended up falling in love with him. So maybe it was because I wanted all this to happen. Who knows? But stuff like that doesn't bother me. So I think the key is, and you hit on it, is I think there's a very thin line between unwanted and wanted attention. Mm -hmm. Like I've just noticed there's one guy who keeps on texting me, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I take it as, God, he's so annoying. 
But when I want that attention, oh, he likes me. Mm, Okay, so this is a different conversation. I won't get too much into it. But I don't like that. Like, if the gesture is creepy or just kind of weird, that should apply to everyone. It shouldn't be, unless you are self-aware that this gesture is not what's bothering you. It's the person that's giving it to you. Mm. So if you're aware of that, fine. But to just be like, oh, it's creepy, Rob. Like somebody's like texting me all the time. Yeah, if you're annoyed by that, that should apply to everyone. But it's the same in your situation. If you didn't already want to fall in love with this guy, then it would be like, oh my God, how weird. He's leaving his toothbrush. Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I'm I'm guessing that's probably why I didn't care. But generally thinking about it, it wouldn't bug me if it were anyone. But at that moment, I'm guessing that it's probably because mm-hmm. I like the guy a lot. So I don't know. It could, it could be either or. But I, I will have to disagree with you on that. That, you know, like annoying gestures like that should apply to everybody. Being high should not give you a pass to do a lot of shitty shit. So that's just me. It's not what I was saying, but okay. What were you... <laughs> Obviously, this guy just annoys you and he keeps texting you and texting you and you just don't want that. But, I mean, yeah, it comes from a guy that you want that attention. Why are you okay with him texting you all the time? I guess the problem is I don't really have anybody texting me as much as the unwanted texter right now. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Hopefully, he is not listening today. Um, So... The subject on birthdays, actually. Do you celebrate your birthday still? I do. You I'm do? a big nerd for my birthday. It's like birth month. Okay. All right. I do birth weeks. But um, what about surprises in general? Not surprise birthday parties, but just surprises. Do you like surprises? I like surprises. I think they're fun. I haven't had a lot of surprises thrown at me over the years, so I guess I get a little excited when they do happen. But I'm not against them. Okay. How about you? Um, I don't mind surprises. I mean, I prefer people do all the work to celebrate my birthday in general. So, like, if it is... Yeah, I am. So, no, I'm not. But anyway... Yeah, you are. (laughs) I just... No, I I stopped celebrating my birthdays after I turned 30 because any time that I planned it, it always went wrong. So... I just say, hey, if my friends want to celebrate my my day, then they make the plans. They do it. I just want to show up, and that's it. So if it happens to be a surprise, I'm all up for it. Yeah, I get it. Because one year, I planned out like having a party, and then that year, somebody's like, oh, I'm going to Vegas that weekend, and it just kept going wrong. Everybody was busy that weekend, and then somebody's like, you should just move your party so that people could go. I'm like, no. It's my birthday. It's my fucking day. I'll do when I want it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so... Yeah, anyways. And then my close friend showed up, so it was good, but... There you go. Yeah. So, the other thing is, is that, again, I don't know if this is a hetero or homo rule, but Andy felt that it was chivalrous to get them separate rooms. Now, if he planned a getaway weekend with you and got you separate rooms immediately without even thinking of this episode... What would you take that assign as? We're friends or we're together, but he's being nice. How do you interpret a gesture like that? I probably wouldn't interpret it well. I would question, like, why'd you waste your money? You know I'm going to give it up. You know I'm not hot. I'm easy. (laughs) So with me, I mean, yeah, I would actually be like, why are we in separate rooms? It just 
doesn't make sense. Like, I can sleep in the same bed with you and we don't have to sleep together, but I guess they're still taking it slow and they're not officially boyfriend and girlfriend, so it makes sense for them to have separate rooms. Right, it makes sense for how Prue is acting. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I guess it is a nice gesture. Um, But, you know, the idea of going away for the weekend, I would think that that would be the idea is to sort of go to that level of getting used to sleeping together. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Okay, so the next scene is Phoebe uh, wants to buy a gift for Prue this year instead of just the normal card that comes three days late. So she decides to take a job interview at a hotel, being the hotel psychic. And um, she ends up getting the job and uh, grabs a wallet from a bar that is left from a patron. And once she touches it, she gets a vision of a car hitting him as he's um, leaving the hotel. But he's too far gone to warn, so she's stuck with this dilemma of knowing that somebody's going to die at any point right at the same location that she's in. At the same time, it turns out that um, Piper finds out that Phoebe took a job Can I at just this say, hotel. What I freaking love the camera work when Piper finds out. This show has like the worst camera. It just dramatically slowly trucks in on her face being like, what? <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. The camera work in this episode is actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, they they do use it for like specific emotions because I think there's another one you're going to bring up later. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So Piper finds out that Phoebe's doing this job and is, um, um, I guess, concerned that she's using her powers for this because she considers it a little bit of personal gain. But it is for somebody else, so, you know, yada, yada. And while they're talking, Mark pops in and um, notices that the hotel has a, you know, a psychic. So he's like, are you a psychic? Because he believes that ghosts can see them. And so Piper and Phoebe both notice that Mark is there and he's shocked. And he's like asking them to help him find his body because, um, you know, something terrible happened to him. So uh, Phoebe has to go back to work. So then Mark leaves with Piper and um piper's not having it he he, she thinks he's a whack job and was like you're not a ghost like why are you talking to me get away from me and he goes in the middle of the street and gets run through by a cyclist who just goes straight through him which proves that he is a ghost and that piper is there and needs to help him or he could be a mutant (laughs) he could have the power to turn intangible (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, in this particular show, we're not dealing with mutants. Oh, yeah, okay. so this is their first ghost. And I also wanted to point out that Mark is the second uh, human to be killed on screen and the fourth victim to actually be announced in four episodes. Hmm. So like in the first episode, three women have died from Jeremy, but only one was shown. And then um, Mark... And he dies. So that's, it's only been for the episode two and three didn't have anybody die. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Phoebe, I think is such a good Samaritan. She again, just keeps giving me more and more examples of just how 
good of a person she is, she sees a wallet on a table and immediately tries to like flag him down and make sure he doesn't forget it. And she doesn't steal from the wallet or anything. So I, I just think that's cool of her. She keeps showing that she's just not this naive, like rebellious girl. Right. She has a heart. Yeah. Um, if you knew that someone was going to die, what would you do? I think I would have reacted a little more intensely than my Phoebe did. Because mm-hmm. I don't think he was that far gone. <laughs> you think he should have just ran? And she just ran. stood there like, oh no, oh cheapers. <laughs> well, it's dramatic effect. Okay. But yeah, who knows what... And that's the other thing is like when she gets these visions, she doesn't know exactly when they happen. So it could have happened like while she missed him. And yeah, but she it didn't just, rab. I know, but what I'm just saying, know, though, that's more reason for her to run after him because it could have happened like right then and there. Mm-hmm. And she didn't do that. But for dramatic effect, we have to build up the suspense. Right. Is he going to get hit? And she has to go to the Andy School of Creepers first. <laughs> uh, do you believe in ghosts, Sean? I do. Really? Mm-hmm. Any Any reason why? I've had some experiences. Name one. Short story. Short story? Yes. All right. Second grade, I was uh, at the time walking to my grandparents' house, and one day my grandma wasn't able to be home right away. So I was at the house alone for about 15 minutes, and around the corner from where I was sitting, two cupboards in the kitchen started opening, opening and closing by themselves. So they kept happening, so I got up the courage to peek around the door frame, and I saw them close and stop. Okay. That's creepy. Yeah. And from this day, did you believe in ghosts beforehand? I think I already kind of believed in them, but Uh that's when it solidified. Okay. And my grandma tried to be like, maybe a window is open. I'm like, I could hear the damn cupboards clicking shut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I do believe in ghosts just only because I just don't think we're alone in this world. It's it's just too big to, to just rule out. But I have no stories or proof of the such but i believe that it could happen so yeah Mm -hmm. i'm open to it put it that way okay um so we then cut to prue going to quake who is looking for andy and (laughs) which is the second camera yeah it's the camera so she goes in and she looks to one side of the restaurant and it focuses on these three people at a bar and then it goes back to prue and she looks annoyed but that was it. There was no significance of that. So, yeah, you noticed this camera work. Yeah, and backstory, like, I made Rob rewind, like, two more times to be like, what the hell was this scene? Like, why did they do that? And finally he explained, I think she's looking for Andy. I was like, okay. Yeah, so she looks on one side of the bar to see that he's not there, and then she he goes to the other. But So she goes to the other side of the restaurant and notices that Andy is there, and he's there with a the woman. She introduces herself, and um, she says that her name is Shelly Trudeau. Now, this is what I love about Prue. She didn't immediately go to the ex-wife thing. She goes, are you a sister? Yep. You know, and I love that because they have the last name. And then he goes, no, wife. Well, and then she says wife, and Andy says ex-wife. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. So we find out that Andy has been married before, but is divorced or separated or whoever the whatever the case may be but prue is not having it she leaves and uses her powers again to stop andy from chasing her by putting a food cart in front of him um 
so yeah, what I liked about this scene is that Prue handled it with class. Like, we know she has a temper, so I expected her to go complete ghetto on her and just be like, bitch, who are you? And what are you doing with my man? And blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he doesn't, bl- she doesn't blame her. And he, she blames the man and is like, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm walking away. That's it. So I have mixed feelings here. And that's because I'm coming from my background. So for you listeners, I am married to Chris, but I'm also polyamorous. So Chris is okay with me dating other people. So when I look at a scene like this, it makes me think like when I tell somebody I'm married, they automatically a lot of times close off to me. So I can understand with Andy not wanting to tell Prue right away. But at the same time, I feel like if you're not honest up front, it leads to these type of things happening. And that was the thing. Um, I think we'll get to this um, later in the um, episode because they do meet again to talk about this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was going to ask you, like, do you have a problem with um, a significant other or, you know, someone that you are dating to be friends with an ex? Um, I don't because actually Chris is friends with someone who he dated at one point. And even after Chris and I opened it up years later, after we started dating him and the guy actually reconnected and dated for a little bit. So I have no problem with it because, um, of the amount of conversation and trust between me and Chris, I know exactly where he stands with his feelings at all times. And I tell him how I feel with different guys and different things at different points. So I'm okay with it. Now, does the level of friendship, change your answer or it doesn't matter how close they are no it doesn't matter because even when we first started dating he admitted to me he had a crush on his best friend to the point where he had confronted him to be like i have a crush on you and his friend turned him down Mm -hmm. so that was uncomfortable to me at first knowing his best friend like what'd you do tell him not to see his best friend yeah 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 but um i worked through it because i was honest with like it's weird for me but I trusted him. Yeah. So, and then now I'm really good friends with his best friend too. Okay. So everyone has a past and whatever the circumstances is, you have to be okay with what they did before you and the life that you are starting with this new person, um, is going to come with a little bit of baggage and you have to be okay with the fact that your life starts with him the moment you met And it doesn't reflect any of his past previous. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people think differently and some people aren't able to handle a friendship with an ex because there is a possibility of um, reconciliation and forgiveness and then finding out that that person is better for you. Who knows? My thing is, is that I've already gone through this. So I'm really, really close with my ex. He lives in a different state, so there isn't really much opportunity for people to get really weirded out by our friendship because we're so far apart. But I recently dated someone who is very close to his ex and it was something that I couldn't handle. And it's because of how close they were. It didn't seem that they had any means of sort of giving each other space to let other people grow and be a part of their lives. And they were used to a certain type of relationship that was not easy for them to break off immediately. So I can understand the work that needs to take place in order Mm -hmm. to separate yourself. But when you are that attached to somebody and 
you're going to make it very hard for somebody new to come in and be a part of your life. And so I think the level of friendship will have sort of a chord struck in me of nervousness. But overall, I would never, ever tell someone that they couldn't be friends with the next. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I feel about the subject. (laughs) Well, in all fairness, just to comment on your situation, it was definitely a little more than usual. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I, I try. Coming from. I try and give the benefit of the doubt and, and look at things. Is that people are not maliciously out to try and get you or scheme you or play tricks and games. But yeah, it it was a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, so Mark tells Piper that his body must be found, or that Yama. What was the Yama called? Remind me. He was called something? Yeah, it was Yama, the the death god or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. he. I don't remember what they called him in the show, but he is a death god that shows up in Hindu culture, Chinese, and Japanese culture. Okay. So Yama basically claims the souls of uh, spirits that do not move on, and um, they take um, their souls. So he needs a proper burial for his soul to be put to rest, and he needs to do this before Yama can get to him. So it's sort of a race against time, basically. Um, Right now, uh, Mark is just dormant, so he's there for the taking. We see Yama for the first time with this huge dark (laughs) helmet-like helmet (laughs) with green glowing eyes from the 90s. (laughs) And Piper freezes him while they run off. Um, We see that Piper not only can freeze humans and things of this earth, but can also freeze demons as well as ghosts. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised by that, actually, when I first saw this. Um, I didn't think spirits count because they're not of this world anymore, so they're from a different plane. Um, But yeah, Um, Prue back at the office is ambushed by Andy, who leaves flowers on her desk and hides behind her door waiting for her to come in but explains that she is an ex-wife and that she does he does have a relationship with her but it's somebody that he has no plans on on um getting back together with at all but so, yeah but he but he felt weird to tell her mm-hmm. right away you know so so going back real quick i thought mark's corpse was so funny cuz like he's been burnt but his skeleton was so pristine white. It looked like they took a skeleton out of like a classroom and put a suit on it. Just science lab. And then yeah, just like, no, like meat or anything on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that scene was funny. Um, I, I like how, um, well, so Mark immediately was like, Piper, just go. Because he doesn't know the extent of her powers and what she can do. And so she, he was like, go, just save yourself. It's too late for me. And then he like closed his eyes and was like, don't take me. Yeah. And then, it, you know, he was saved. But um, what would you think of Yama? Yama was so stupid looking with that big stupid helmet and those big stupid glowing eyes. Now, I tried to convince you maybe that's what he looks like in real life. And I know, then you so looked me him up. being little bitch I am, I went on Google and I typed in Yama and it brought up a picture of this like slightly like plump, like happy looking God. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Rob. Whatever. <laughs> I think it's also really cool that they um, adapted real life mythology to this. They didn't just, I mean, they make up demons throughout the show, but they actually 
did the research and and found a demon to use. I agree. I think it is cool that they did. It's something that I've always liked about the Final Fantasy series as well because they take gods from other cultures and expose you to them. Um, I just think it's funny how in American culture we automatically always make the god of death like a an evil type entity, you know, because when I looked, especially in the Hindu religion, Yama seems to be more just like, that's his job. He relegates dead spirits. But in one of the other religions, I think it might have been Chinese, that's where he more was vengeful against people who mistreat their elders or who do evil things, which I think this one is more based on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Piper then goes to Mark's um, mother's home to tell his mom that he had died and that she has to assist in making sure there's a funeral right away so that he can move on. But uh, she finds out that Mark's mom doesn't even know that he's even dead, let alone miss- missing. He just She just knows that he has not been around for you know, a couple of days. So Piper decides to keep it a secret that he died, but Mark is angry about that and wants her to tell her. So Mark's mom goes back into her house and then Mark tries to go in, but then is blocked. He cannot enter the house. This rainbow glowing light over the house blocks him from going in. And it turns out it's the power of the amulet, which makes the situation that they're in even more scarce because all of the legends that he learned as a child are true. Therefore, Yama is no joke, and he really has to get this done before he's taken. Um, so they find the body. Well, before we get there, would you tell his mom? Oh, okay. Uh, it's hard being the messenger. I personally would not, only because I don't know how to break that news to somebody. But I think she deserved to know. Right, because I was thinking about it instantly. I thought I would want to tell her, but then without any like real proof or anything, it just comes off as you're a stranger telling someone their son's dead. Yeah. She probably wouldn't even believe her anyway. And I, I think that was one of the biggest things is why she did that, because she didn't know she would believe her. She probably would think that she's the one who did it. Who knows? But, mm-hmm. I mean, it, from coming from a stranger that you've never met, it could come off really bad. So, yeah. Um. So then um, they actually find the body. It's discovered on the news that the body was found in the alley. But um, when they reveal the identity of the person, it's not Mark. It's this gentleman, Tony Wong, who is played by um, Joe um, Ho. And he was the one who shot him in the beginning. So it turns out that um, Tony Wong wanted to fake his death. And he used somebody with the same birthday as his and has a similar likeness with, you know, features and, and whatnot. Oh, because Asians all look alike. Exactly. And here's the thing. <laughs> they did not look alike whatsoever no, at all. But apparently he wanted to use Mark's identity, identity, put his picture on an ID and yada, 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 and then flee the country while the world thinks that this crime lord has been burned to death by maybe a rival gang. Who knows? But that was the whole point of putting his ring on the body before burning it. I thought that was so funny. The cops are like, oh, that's Tony Wong's ring. It must be him. Well, case closed. (laughs) (laughs) So Phoebe immediately has a vision and sees that Tony is very much alive and is seen loading guns or loading bullets in a gun um, at his hideout 
with Chinese symbols in the background. Mm-hmm. With these symbols, she's able to detect exactly where his hideout is with Mark's help. Now, Phoebe, again, I am so glad that she has a power of premonition because this woman has the best memory that I have ever seen <laughs> on TV. Again, I would see a vision. I would see those Chinese symbols. I would not be able to draw it. I'd be like, I don't know what I just saw. And right. then I would try and draw it. It would look all weird and scribbly, and I would have insulted his culture and his language, and we would have had a different episode. I just imagine you like coming up with a picture of like a stick figure with like scribbles behind him. I would not like <laughs> I tried to remember the um symbol i still wouldn't have drawn it i don't know how phoebe's able to do this she can remember spells after reading them once and she just remembers everything from her visions it's so crazy (laughs) i was happy that piper brought up that we can have the cops do like dental records and things like that because i'm like why didn't the cops do that already yeah 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 at least the cop brought up (laughs) because that's why i turned you was like this episode's dumb because they didn't even do dental records or anything. Oh, I see. So you were not happy with the lack of police work. Right. Okay. At this point of the episode, they've gone they've grown fonder of each other and, you know, they've had they're having good rapport and conversations and yeah. Mm-hmm. I like them together. It's John Cho. Shit. Who dead or alive, I'm falling for him. Well, the scene with her and him and they're like touching, not touching. We will get to that. Okay. Go on. All right. So after Mark's body is found, um, Phoebe decides to take action. So because it's Phoebe, that's what Piper. Yes, Piper knew takes action. Do this. <laughs> Piper decides to take action because she's Piper. So her and Mark go to the warehouse where they know that Wong is going to be at. And I love this part. Her plan is so perfect. Her plan is to just rush on into the room and surprise everybody, and then freeze them in their surprise. <laughs> And then she puts a newspaper that says Tony Wong found dead into Tony Wong's hands and takes a picture. Well, it's a very, it's a very, um, I I shouldn't say well thought out plan, but it it definitely makes sense. You want the man who is supposedly dead to take a picture with today's newspaper. So you, you know, that there's no reason to think the photo's fabricated or anything like that. This is what's going on. So Rob. I wasn't being sarcastic. It was a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> so she takes a picture, and right after she takes the picture, the men unfreeze, and Piper has this great moment of, shit, run. <laughs> this is what I love. So, like, she pops into the room. Everybody notices that um, she's there. And Tony gets up, and apparently, while he's approaching Piper, his hands happen to get into the position to hold something. Yep. <laughs> How does that happen? Is he like, I don't know what's going on? And I'm like, why is your hands up in that position as you run to somebody? It was funny. But he was in the perfect position to hold a newspaper. Right, he was. <laughs> And then so Mark and Piper run from the office and um, Wong sends his men to chase them. And much to their, I don't know, I don't know what word I was going to use, not knowledge, (laughs) as Piper and Mark drive away, one of the men writes down the uh, license plate number. Yes, that's right. Um, Again, wouldn't remember the license plate number. In quick glance, I, I would have gotten a number wrong. I don't know. Some would have happened. True. Everybody's just so good with memory. They are good with memory. <laughs> so then from there, Piper goes to the police station to drop off the pictures as an anonymous tip. 
and she's sitting there kind of talking to Mark at her car when the doors open. And who, if you had to guess, who would walk up but Andy Trudeau? He's just everywhere. Being a creeper. San Francisco is very small. I'm okay. just saying that right now. Everybody's kind of knows, well, not knows everybody, but you kind of run into the same people a lot. So Okay, fine. <laughs> so once again, we find Andy kind of like, finding the girls in a weird situation because Piper's standing there talking to herself because he can't see Mark. So she's just talking. So she's like, oh, yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> I'm surprised this man isn't more suspicious of the sisters by this point. He seems to have a very open mind. I mean, he loves Evil Dead too. He's okay with women believing that they are witches and he believes in superstition. Like... I, yeah, I'm surprised he, you know, isn't already caught up on them. But yeah. Okay. And then from there, we go back to a new scene. We go back to Phoebe, who I forgot to mention this earlier. I am living for my Phoebe in this I Dream of Genie costume. Yeah, that is her hokey, you know, typical, you know, I'm a psychic sort of thing. It's like it's like wearing a pointed black hat to say you're a right. witch. Yeah, she could read my future in that outfit, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> so now here she is being a creeper to Mr. Corey as she's following him around the hotel, locking him in his room, you know, trying to get him to not go outside. And I love that not only is she stalking Mr. Corey, but we find out his wife is the woman that she creeped out earlier in this episode. So, yeah. like, double trouble going on Totally here. told the woman that she was fat and that <laughs> you've been gaining weight and you're at Weight Watchers, and she's like, I don't go. I'm skinny just like I am. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, she's living her best life, trying to get Mr. Corey to stay inside for today. Oh, this next scene, Rob. What? We go to Mark and Piper. Oh... And we have a ghost moment. Okay, so we go to the next scene where we find Piper and Mark. And they've grown quite fond of each other. And we have this hot little scene of Piper basically being like, shh, use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they bond over cooking and their likeness of it. And Mark even gives her a recipe of his grandmother's to make for, you know, Prue's birthday. And they do have a moment where, you know, like, I'm into you and it sucks that you're dead. And she tries to, like, psychically touch him. And he's just, I don't know, I don't know, he, I don't think he can feel it, but he knows that it's there. It's like putting your hand to a glass window and somebody else doing yep. the same. You do feel something. So do you remember Tadashi from Big Hero 6? Yes. This was a Tadashi moment for me. Okay. Because the whole time I was watching Big Hero, I kept thinking like, oh, Tadashi's not dead. Tadashi's the bad guy or Tadashi's this because I just wanted him alive so bad. So this whole episode, I was like. There's going to be a spell. They're going to figure something out. Like, he's going to come back to life. Like, I need him to be alive. <laughs> I didn't know you were thinking that. That's so cute. Yeah. And I kind of figured, like, if John Cho were in Charmed more than an episode, like, we probably would have known about it. Exactly. But that was where my mind was. I needed him to be alive. Can't mess with the dead. I know. Yeah. But, yes, they definitely do have their moment. And, um... Yeah, don't they end up at the house and they're like, 
you know, where you've been all my life. And mm-hmm. I mean, they really were like, I would totally date you if you were alive. Right. So, so far, Piper is like zero for two because she dated a serial killer and she dated a ghost. A like, warlock A warlock killer. serial killer. Yeah. And yeah. And then she ends up getting kidnapped right after they pseudo kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of the license plate, they're able to find out where they live and um, goons come in and steal Piper. Right. And that was kind of heartbreaking, too, because he just had to stand there and watch them take his... A live girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he calls out for help and, and you know, uh, Prue and Phoebe come downstairs and they run off to go and go to the hideout where I don't know if they knew that she was doing this. I think they just decided to do this on their own without Prue and Phoebe knowing about it. Yeah. You know, the whole plan. So now they run off to go get Piper. Mm-hmm. And then by this time, back over with Andy, he finds Tony's picture with the newspaper in his hands. So um, he's on to the whole thing now, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So Phoebe and Prue um, enter upstairs and we have this really cool moment where I think it was Wong actually picks up a gun and fires directly at Prue. But um, <laughs> Piper, I'm trying to get the names right in my head. <laughs> Piper manages to free her hands from the rope that she's bound in and she freezes time just in time. But Prue's brave because Prue already knows that time unfreezes quick in this world. And she's just hanging out, you know, making a sandwich in front of this bullet, like well, mixing some Kool-Aid. Obviously, that was to show how cool the effects are in that, oh, my God, they made a bullet stop in midair. <laughs> What'd you think of the effects, though, with with this so far? I actually thought that effect looked cool because I liked how it had the fire from the gun exploding Mm. And then it had the bullet in midair. That looks pretty good. Yeah. What about when Mark was like peeking through the door? He was like, how's it going? (laughs) Are you guys going to help me? Cheesy as hell. That might as well have been like from High School Musical, the ghost edition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, these effects, you know, they tried it for sure. But I do like that freezing scene. They're getting a lot better with that, I think. Freezing, Freezing the room while they're moving. And, you know, I'd rather them have these cheesy effects than none at all. I'll take it. There you go. I like that. (laughs) Okay, so Prue gets out of the way of Tony, and they go and um, meet up with Piper behind him, and the three of them are now united. And then time unfreezes, and all the men are kind of like, what? (laughs) As they turn around and the sisters are behind them. But we have this cool moment where... Prue kind of flicks her head to the side and Wong goes flying out the door and down the stairs. Yes. Fine, she's growing on me. I know. All right, Rob? Very good. You were waiting for me to say that. Yes. I hinted at that in the first episode, though. I was like, I see where her story's going. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tony gets thrown out. Is this... This is where he dies, right? Yes, yes. So they end up in the alley again because he's on the run and they stop him. And I think Andy and the cops show up. So he gets cornered in the alley Mm -hmm. and he decides he's going to go out with a bang and he draws his gun and then they just fire on him. Right. So with that being said, Tony Wong's um, ghost jumps out of his body and he sees the witches as well as Mark, who is has been kicking it this whole time. And he's like, oh, you're dead. (laughs) Like, but you are too. That's why you're able to see me. And then who shows up? Yama. Yama shows up. In all his cheesy ass glory. (laughs) Well, um, Mark decides to get all buck and grabs Tony and then pushes him into Yama and having his soul taken. 
But then Yama's out. Huh? That doesn't mean anything. I'm still wanting you. I think I'm going to refer to Yama as poor man's juggernaut from <laughs> here on out. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a juggernaut helmet. I just call him Dark Helmet. Okay, fine. You yeah, win. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Yama's like, yeah, um, you're next. Doesn't mean that you're not going. But then Piper's like, no, he's a good man and he should not go. And he doesn't deserve to be with you. And he deserves to go to heaven. Right. And then the rest of the sisters band together and stand right in front of him, the united spear. United front. Yes, a very united front to protect him. And he and could have just gone right through them, so it was very polite of him not to. That is true. I'm really surprised that he didn't just take the spear and cut off all their heads. <laughs> but um, but it goes along with, the I think, the Chinese legend that he only takes the evildoers. So it makes sense that he would leave yeah. Mark alone. All right, so then... From there, we cut to Mark's funeral, where Mark is kind of standing, watching his funeral, and a man appears a little ways off, middle-aged man in a suit, and they look, and it's Mark's father. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a nice uh, send-off for him. He gets to see his father. It hints to, you know, the afterlife. We get to be with our loved ones again. So he goes off and disappears with his father. Right right before, you know, he says goodbye to Piper and, you know, they have their moment and, you know, they say their goodbyes. But, I mean, it's clear that if things were different, who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, (laughs) Piper's like, leave it to me to fall for a dead guy. Yep. Yeah. And a little earlier in this episode, I liked that Mark talks about... How he left the house walking away from his birthday and now he never gets a birthday again. So really hold on to the birthdays that you have because you never know when it's going to be your last one. That's right. He did tell Prue to celebrate every birthday that she can because she has no idea when it'll be her last. And um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. And it leads into the end where Prue gets home and rounds the corner and we get this labyrinth ending where everybody's there. (laughs) Should you need us? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the surprise party goes on without a hitch. And um, Andy is there as well. And she just has this really nice grin on her face. And yeah, Mm -hmm. that was the end of our episode. She does have a heart. (laughs) So some things that I want to point out with you. Um, we get to see that there are demons and ghosts and spirits that are in the world that are not completely one-sided. Yama is the example of somebody who is in it to get what he needs regardless of the circumstances, but he had a conscious thought to say, he is a good man, I'm going to leave. So even though he is sort of a demon that takes souls and whatnot, there are demons out there that are sort of neutral they're not all the way good and not all the way bad i also wanted to point out that um prue and phoebe do have a conversation um within the episode where phoebe admits to prue that um she decided to take a job as a psychic to pay for a gift but she's caught in this dilemma of having to save a man from his possible death but The whole time Phoebe thought that Prue would be pissed at her for using her powers this way. And Prue completely agrees with the way she's handled her powers thus far and actually gives her praise for putting it to good use. And again, gives Prue another example that these powers are not just a curse. They can be used to do really, really good things. 
um, even if they're not fighting demons. And so, again, this is a moment where Phoebe and Prue are getting a lot closer as sisters, and they're starting to, um, I guess, um, fix their estranged relationship. Mm -hmm. And we see Prue smile. Yes. <laughs> which doesn't happen often. It doesn't. <laughs> um so in this episode, the title of the episode is a reference to Dead Man Walking, which is a movie that stars Susan Sarandon and Sean Pan. I'm sure you got that. Yeah. Okay. And um, the scene where uh, Mark seeks out uh, a psychic to help him. What movie do you think this is sort of similar to? Ghosts. Ghosts, exactly. This movie definitely plays out like ghosts. And, you know, you have a ghost who seeks out a psychic to help, you know, him find his body or find the murderer and whatever and make things all right. And there was a love story in it, too, so it's just like ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, so, Sean, what do you think of this episode? I like this episode overall. I thought it was funny. It kind of had the, um, the charm of the buddy cop going on you know between her and mark so i like their little relationship they had yeah um this is actually one of my favorite episodes of the entire series um i love the relationship that piper forms with mark and um uh i just think that yes even though this is a show about you know battling demons and all that stuff it's still cool that these women are still able to like connect with others and i like you said i just like the the banter those two had with each other. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. So, um, but yeah, notice that we did not see Daryl this entire episode. We didn't. Yeah. He sort of What's did his, his own name? thing. Oh, Dorian Gregory. Dorian Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe this is the first time they didn't use the power of three. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. And not necessarily the spell of power three, but using a spell to stop whatever's going on. They didn't use a spell together because when you use the term power of three, it could be any spell, but it can only work if the three of them say it together. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time that they have not done that. I do as as cheesy as poor man's juggernaut looked. I do appreciate that they use Yama and that it inspired me to look up more of that culture and more yeah, of who he is. So I'm exactly. glad that they used him. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so to close up our show, Sean, let's get to our hot man meter. It's raining man. Yes. All right, so we are putting in um, two new people on the list, and that is going to be Mark and uh, Tony Wong, played by John Cho and Joe Ho. So, Sean, your list. Um, we are going to now start doing top ten. So once they fall off top ten, we're not going to bring them up again. So where does Good. Tony Get Alec out of there? <laughs> so where does Tony Wong fit into your top ten? Is he cuter than Victor, who is currently a top ten right now? Yes, he's better than Victor. Okay, now where would you put him on the scale? So with Tony, let's see, above Victor, Chef Moore, and Rex Buckland. So I'd put him between Jeremy and Rex Buckland. Oh, wow. Okay, so with Tony Wong in your top 10, that takes out Chef Moore and Victor out of the running, yes. leaving Rex Buckland at number 10. But we have one more person. Uh -huh. Does Mark, Ch does Mark, John Cho, is he cuter than Rex Buckland? Bye, Rex Buckland. All right, so Rex is gone. Where does John Cho go? Okay, John Cho, let's see. I think I would put him... 
right over Daryl. Ooh. Who's played by Dorian Gregory. And we've got, um, so under Leo Wyatt? Under Leo Wyatt. So he's at number four on your list. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means um, Rex Buckland is out, Chef Moore, and Victor. So now Tony Wong is your number 10. Yep. Okay, all right. So I'm going to put Tony Wong right above Stefan and under under Andy. And John Cho, he's... Yeah. Yeah, he's going up, 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 right at number two. Dang. Yeah, I think John Tro is a attractive, attractive man. I knew you'd put him higher on your list than mine. Yeah, he is just utterly gorgeous to me. So that means that my number 10 is Fritz, I think, from number, from episode three, one of the shape-shifting brothers Mm -hmm. yeah okay well good list so far pastor williams i don't know if anybody's gonna knock him out i'm waiting for the day he's very nice looking i'm waiting for the day it'll happen it will happen it will huh yes it will all right all right well um thank you everyone for tuning in to our uh show brunch with the hollowells Next week, we are going to do episode five titled Dream Sorcerer. <gasps> Freddy Krueger? <laughs> a little bit like that, but this episode is actually a little different, which plays a little bit on the moral aspect of the episode in general. So this one will be interesting. Um, we'll see how you like this one. Okay. All right. So, Charmies, thank you once again for joining us. Remember to rate and uh, review this show on iTunes to help our exposure to more people. Uh, Give us that five-star rating and leave us a a small comment of what you thought of the uh, show as a whole. And also make sure to follow us on Twitter at BWTH Podcast. And, um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week during brunch. Bye, Charmies.